0: All right, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to K-Fabe Corner here, where I sit down. Jordan Fairstone's one of the legendary people here in professional wrestling in Florida. Here, I'm here, the one, the only, the hardcore giant, Ron and Nimi. Ron, how are you today, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Nice seeing
0: you. Yeah, it's been a little while here. Last time we saw each other, uh, when when was it? It's been a little while since I've actually seen you, too. Yeah, probably RPW,
1: maybe even. I think IPW, or maybe the last real pro show that happened. me and Frankie came down for but time flies I think uh everyone's kind of thrown off as far as timeline wise with everyone was so geared up for Mania weekend and then that just you know imploded for everybody and then you know nobody's been able to regroup since so I mean other than online nobody's really seen each other as far as wrestling or anything else for that matter
0: yeah I mean in fact talk about that you had some stuff going on during Mania weekend as well over at what was it 81 Brewery you, you were gonna have you you had some time some stuff packed up for you huh
1: Yeah, we had like a, I mean, the tickets were doing well, and I expected the shows to be packed, but it was almost kind of like the best kept secret. I mean, we had ICW New York was going to be in with, I mean, I don't know if you happen to see the lineup for that show. It was just absolutely, completely ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was going to be packed, and then we had a. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins podcast with the collectible, uh, collectible toy deal that was going to be there. We were, you know, kind of keep it under wraps, but there was going to be all kinds of surprises there, including some WWE guys that we weren't allowed to announce. And mm. of course, IPW hardcore wrestling was, you know, that's my deal. And myself and Steve Madison had put so all much right. into it. And that was going to be a huge show. I'm going to tell you the, the match that never happened, that I'm hoping to beat everybody to the punch, at least down here. Uh, I mean, uh, Zach Cooper and Logan Creed had so much buzz behind it and uh, just Zach it was kind of like return of the hometown hero I mean he's a legit Tampa born and bred you know, talent and uh, as far as I'm concerned probably one of the biggest stars that uh, is just kind of now starting mm-hmm. to find his legs and um, you know I had talked to Mr. St. Laurent about him um, over the last year or so and you know, was doing the best I could to plant the seeds in there and Truth is, is I don't think there was much help needed. Zach had caught fire and him and along with Logan Creed and Eric Stevens yeah. all signing around the same time. I know Logan's really a Georgia guy, but I, I consider him one of my guys uh, and a Florida guy. Uh, so to see all that stuff happen at once, you know, I got to take my hat to Core Bauer. He's not a fan of mine. Uh, I've been a thorn in his side for <laughs> all the way back to the very beginning of MLW. Uh, I'd say we have a love hate relationship, but there's never been any real hate. He's, He's in charge of his uh, of his promotion and his shows, and I'm usually 100% in charge of what I do, and I'm not the most easy to deal with and have really, uh, you know, ruffled his feathers a few times. But on the flip side, they seem to recognize, I think I got an eye for talent. I think they, they believe that when I recommend somebody. Uh, I, it's a lot of respect as far as I'm concerned that they even look. Mm-hmm. So the fact that some of these guys have gotten... You yeah, other- got a track record. They listen to yeah. It's cool man, and then you know truth is is I mean look you, you got you got uh snoop strikes there just killing it hell you've, Absolutely. Even got, you've even got dax underneath uh you know doing a hell of a job on the road I mean and've I've always liked him uh, as a guy. I always thought he was a hard worker uh Absolutely. I, yeah, I never thought I would see him there uh, I think it's a great example for the young guys that are under him with uh Tampa Bay Pro I mean if he can grind and make it there, why can't they? you know. So. Absolutely,
0: yeah. No, it's great. I I was there for Snoop's first match uh, in a battle royal at Uproar and to see him uh, grow, that's great. That's what I want to see for everyone, man, and he's he's done the right things.
1: You mentioned Dax. He was actually on the show a few weeks ago. You know, a lot of these guys, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, let's be honest, uh, WWN and Evolve and FIP and these guys—they've—they've they've given some of them opportunities. But you want to talk about missing the boat uh, on these guys? The fact that Logan slipped through their fingers and uh, Snoop and—and and there's going to be plenty more. I mean, how much longer can uh, Troy Hollywood and Hunter lobby on you know, uh, on the Indies where we we're lucky? I—it's I, one of those you know, careful for what you wish for. I want to see these guys get opportunities. I've always been very high on Troy. I have on Hunter too. Uh, and, and it's my fault I haven't got him on as many shows as I like, but that's no uh, indication of my opinion of him and his work and as a person. But we kind of get spoiled when these guys are, you know, when you run real pro, especially during the week on a weekday, man, you can book a dream show if you want to. It just comes down to the budget. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, there is so many guys out there. Guys and girls mm-hmm. so talented. You you mentioned two more that I absolutely love. Uh, Hunter yeah. Law, I'm so high on. And, yeah, Choi's great as well. That, that whole class, too, it almost sounds like we're – Loving on that Tampa Bay class where there's a good class there. You can't deny.
1: Jay Lethal's always done a good job. And and the truth is he's just one of many schools throughout Florida that, uh you know, have done their part to, to contribute to the next generation of uh pro wrestling and the talent that will be involved. Uh, You know, call a spade a spade. There's plenty of schools out there too, that they should be shut down and uh, <laughs> ran out of town with pitchforks and torches as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, if you, if, if, if you're the type, you know, some people say, you know, if maybe, maybe if you're not the best player, you'd be better off as a coach. I've never really felt that way about pro wrestling. Uh, I've always felt either you get it or you don't. And there's a lot that don't. And several of them are training uh, talents. You don't know any better. The, the good thing is there's opportunities now that I guess just like college, uh, like the NCAA, you can transfer now at almost a moment's notice, you know, with, with professional wrestling schools, you can just up and leave and go to the next one. And when you've got the veterans out there on the scene that have the knowledge that they do, they sh- these young guys and girls should be reaching out and getting advice whenever possible. And sometimes these are questions they might be afraid to ask. And be careful who you're asking them of because a lot of times, you know, it's a it's a cruel business. One of the oldest tricks in the book is to give people bad advice or lead them down the wrong path for fear that if they come up, they might take your spot which is about as cowardly and spineless as it gets. But there are some guys out there. Do you there still that find work.
0: that very prevalent even today? Do you think that's still very prevalent? Or?
1: Yes. Uh, the best example I can give is when when Logan uh, Creed was talking to MLW, all of a sudden there was this interest from the WWE side um, that I mean, they have been aware of him since you know the day he set foot in the wrestling ring. But when he was on all these WWN shows, he was right in front of their face too. As far as uh, you know, working basically for the feeder system to to NXT, and never never heard a peep, never an indication of hey, why don't you come in for some extra work or for a tryout? And all of a sudden, MLW gets interest, and somebody got word uh, to WWE, and all of a sudden they they were expressing interest in Logan, but not really offering anything and for some reason uh, a talent that is almost a carbon copy of him as far as size height look even the bald uh part of the gimmick he seemed to be kind of leading him that way uh that i i don't know it just seemed like it was bad advice that was meant to lead somebody away from the best opportunity uh for fear of maybe If he was to come up, he may take their spot. That might be me with 20 years in the business being a little paranoid, but it is what it is. You know, I watched that with the Shane brothers for 10 years or so. Every single veteran team that they would talk to them would get really upset and mad at them and tell them to quit bumping for everybody. You're too big. Don't sell. Don't bump. Watch old World Warriors tapes and do what they're doing. Then all of a sudden they're booked in the ring with these exact same teams and they're bumping them all over the goddamn place like a pinball. Uh, and I never quite got that, whether it was the Nasty Boys, hell, even public enemy uh, teams that had been around forever. Um, they just started giving them all this uh, advice that is probably what the WCW uh, or WWE would tell them. But if you don't want them bumping for anybody and you don't want them selling, then why do you have them doing it for you? That don't make any sense. Absolutely.
0: We'll talk a little bit more about them later for sure, and I wonder if we want to get into that as well. Let's, uh, let's travel all the way back here talk more specifically about you, sir. Uh, where does your journey, or let's not uh, even go further than that, uh, where does your love begin? Are you a lifetime fan? Did you get into it later? Where, do, where does your start with pro wrestling just even as a fan
1: begin? I still remember it clearly. I was at my grandma and grandpa's house around my, It was either late 82 or early 83. I can't remember. And they fell asleep, so I stayed up later than I was supposed to and uh, there was this channel out of Green Bay I think it was WLUC and they had all-star wrestling on it on Saturday night and it was uh, it was matches I think I want to say it was out of Minneapolis or it was out of Green Bay basically it was an uh, AWA arena show being shown on a Saturday night and I discovered it and uh, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing you know I mean I was a Star Wars fan from day one I've always been huge in the kiss and it seemed like the next step of the of that puzzle was wrestling. And once I discovered it and then found the AWA studio version um, on Sunday mornings, uh, I, I was hooked. And I mean, it was Nick Bockwinkle was the world heavyweight champion. He managed by Bobby DeBrain uh, Heenan. T- at the time, I believe the tag champs were uh, Ken Patera and Jerry Blackwell, managed by Sheik Adnan L. Casey. And you had top guys like Mad Dog Vashon, Baron Von Raschke, Dr. D, David Schultz who's easily one of the most controversial wrestlers in the history of wrestling. Uh, Mr. Sayudo, which is one of the most badass wrestlers, as far as I'm concerned, ever. Insane amateur background, uh, big-time shooter, very dangerous guy. Uh, he was the one, this is long before your time, but him and Ken Pertera were the ones that ended up going to prison for a few years when they were in the AWA because they, the story was they went to McDonald's one night in Green Bay at like three in the morning, and it wasn't open, so they started throwing these giant boulders through the windows. And when the cops came, I think they had like beat the shit out of six cops before they were finally brought down and they were put in prison. And actually, the WWF played on that when Patera got released and came in. He kind of came in as a babyface because his former manager Bobby the Brain Heenan just called, kept calling him a jailbird and talking down to him, kind of like mm-hmm. Patera had no options. And Heenan was the one that gave him the opportunity to come back to wrestling. Of course, Heenan exposed him, took advantage of him, and then Patera turned. So that was a really cool time. My dad was really awesome and would take me. He didn't care at all about wrestling. He would just sit there and read the paper. I was watching it. But yet he would take me to Green Bay to go to Brown Coney Arena, which was about three hours from where I grew up in Ishpeming, Michigan. But I got to see all these names I just mentioned. And then I seen a match in Marquette, Michigan, where... It was um, Hulk against it was Hulk against Doctor D David Schultz on top, and it was bloody and it was crazy and it was really really heavy hitting. And then Mr. Saito did a run and, and I mean, I've always been big on uh, real serious heat. I love the violence. I love the blood, uh, and I like really well told storylines. And, and once I started seeing that side of things, that was it. I was in. And even though I grew up in the middle of nowhere. We always had really good cable. So I remember watching Southwest Championship Wrestling on USA Network before WWF ever even debuted on there. And it was with like uh, Hangman, Bobby Jaggers, uh, Bruiser Bob Sweeten, uh the Sheep Herders before they were the Bushwhackers, uh, got to see my first uh, Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher against each other's stuff on there. And it was really violent, very bloody. The owner and promoter was Joe Blanchard, which is uh, Tully Blanchard's father. And when USA Network, um, gave him that platform and next thing you know, WBF came in and offered to, you know, pay for the spot. Blanchard just didn't see the writing on the wall. Uh, didn't understand the national TV exposure compared to your local markets. And he lost it to WBF and the rest was history. And, uh, you may want to look this up one day too. There was this really old school cable channel called financial news network. And all it would do was run financial, uh, and stock trading stuff all day long with a ticker on the bottom of the screen, just like CNN does. It was all stock stuff over and over all day. Well, at night, they would, they, instead of running infomercials, they were desperate for content. And somehow, uh, Polynesian Pacific Championship Wrestling ended up on there. Uh, Continental Wrestling, which was at the time Paul Heyman's first booking duties. So I was seeing uh, Eddie Gilbert's first family. Uh, Lord Humongous, which was Sid Vicious, uh, under a mask, uh, a very young Shane Douglas, and it was really violent, and really wild. Uh, Wildcat Wendell Cooley was the top guy at the time. So I would get all this exposure to this stuff, and it was all so different. And I'd get the magazines, and I would read about Florida Championship, the world class, and all this other stuff. So fast forward here, by the time I was 19, I went into the Air Force. And, uh, I was lucky enough to get stationed at McDill Air Force Base here in Tampa. I, I got to the base. Um, first thing I asked the first guy I met was to take me to, I had to go to Tampa Sport and I had to see him, you know, and I was picturing this, this arena, you know, this big, vast building. And it was this ugly little tiny pink square block of a building on uh, 106 North Albany. And I didn't care, man. I might as well have been looking at Madison Square Garden, you know, and, uh, I was almost like just some. I would sneak in the door there when they, they, on Thursday nights, they would run their weekly show. And I would take off from the base after work and I'd haul ass down to the sporatorium. And when the side door would open, I'd sneak in and start setting up chairs and hanging around. And Jimmy uh, Backlin was lady, later Jimmy Del Rey and Mark Starr and guys like that. They'd chase me out. And I'd keep coming back and I'd keep coming back. And uh, eventually I ended up uh, going to Malenko School of Wrestling and also attending. At the time, it was the Monster Factory at the Sportatorium. Larry Sharp had uh, decided to open up there, but Jimmy, Jimmy Del Rey was the trainer, and I hung around at both and just took savage, crazy abuse men to chase me off, and 28 years later, here I am. I was just to say, yeah, my notes have you yeah, in
0: 1991 that you started? Is that about yeah, right?
1: I, I As a matter of fact, I ran my first show in August of 91, and it was with uh, Superstar, which was uh, – Dennis, I'm sorry, Bob Cook, as you, as you know, uh, Bob Cook, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Mick Foley talks about him in his book as being one of the best enhancement guys. And I hate saying that about Bob because he really wasn't an enhancement guy. He's just a total flake and completely afraid to fly in an airplane. So he would only go where he could drive and ended up basically doing jobs, you know, WCW Saturday Night forever. But it was him under under a hood as a superstar against um, Tex Salinger, which is Midian uh, Dennis Knight and he had his uh at the time it was his stepfather captain ron slinker was his manager so my first show i ever ran was tech sounder with ron slinker against uh superstar which was bob cook and it was really a tiny little vfw hall on uh south hill maybe in tampa but we packed the place it was really wild i was selling beers for i might as well have been giving it away and we did a lot of really you know a lot of really holy shit angles a little bit more violence than they're used to but also technically it was at a different level than what the locals were offering at the time and uh, from that point uh, the great malenko allowed me to start doing his like student shows at the sportatorium and then i started getting work with the the main shows with uh, i mean to put in perspective i was i was 21 and i'm sitting in the sportatorium dressing room and at that time there's robert fuller dick slater Ron or Don Harris—I don't remember which one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Guys like Brady Boone, Dean Malenko, Lou Perez, Cuban Assassin in fantasy, and I'm just this stupid Air Force kid who looked like he was 14 years old.
0: Now, are are you are you wrestling? Are you behind the scenes at this point? Well, Mm -hmm. what are you doing exactly from day one?
1: I was a manager right from the very get-go. Like on, you know, today's scene, uh, I'm I'm really not all that short or small anymore. Uh, and when I was, when I was a manager in the nineties compared to most of the indies now, I was very big. I was just short, but I I was in the gym constantly and I, you know, I was hanging around monsters. So I always wanted to look like the little version of the monsters, but back then being five foot six, you know, 175 pounds, uh, not only was I not going to be allowed to wrestle or get any opportunities, uh, I really wasn't going to get an opportunity as a ref or anything else either, but they recognized right from the beginning that I have an extensive, I mean, like an encyclopedia when it comes to wrestling and I could talk and I had an uncanny ability of making people not like me. I think even some of the ones that I wanted to like me didn't like me. <laughs> so that translated into a a nice spot as a heel manager and I felt I was good from the beginning, but I look back at videos of it, it's pretty embarrassing stuff, but mm. it was fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: no no same here. Yeah. I talked I talked way too much back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you started off then. Uh, is, was it always Ron Neme? Did you always go by that? And also, too, let's talk about the origin of Hardcore Giant. You gotta know
1: about it. Was Ron. always a different version. It was uh, Sir Ronald J Neme the fourth was my I first saw that, deal. Yeah, <laughs> and, and my my real name is Ronald James Neme Jr. My my oldest son is the third. So then I just added the Sir deal. I always I never liked those. I like Sir Oliver Humperdinck. I always got a kick out of the idea he was a Sir. A sir and you've seen this slob with this uh you know you'd always have like the uh, hawaiian shirts unbought and this and that so i wanted to portray this this pain in the ass just obnoxious asshole that you know was trying to pass off the complete ridiculous idea that i came from some type of royal lineage or whatever I never even really told the story he was just there for no reason and i still have my accent but at the time my yuper accent being from the upper peninsula michigan i sounded like this ridiculous canadian playing this role and then i would I kind of borrowed a lot from uh, Jim Cornette's, you know, the early, really, really gaudy Pee Wee Herman looking. Uh, nothing matched. Everything I got was from a thrift store, and it was just instant heat as soon as I'd walk out in these clothes.
0: Very nice. Uh, let's talk about the origin as you see my background here. Got to talk IPW here. A Very, very well-storied history there. Where does that begin? Are, are you the founder of that? Talk about the rise, and then even uh, what happened there. You know,
1: you go, we're gone for a long time. Um, IPW has been around yeah, actually quite a while before me uh, my, my old buddy Mike Paskin who used to wrestle for several years as uh, Mike Incognito he was Mr. Electricity Mike Incognito he did years of enhancement stuff with uh, WWF when you know it wasn't called enhancement or your job guy or extras or whatever he did that I think almost from the time he was 18 years old and he started running shows up in the Northeast specifically in Connecticut Rhode Island type area and it was very successful he was always really good about uh, knowing exactly who was just released or in between contracts in the WWF when that just wasn't common knowledge there was no internet you might have been privy to I won't even say the observer was around uh, back then I mean um, or torch or anything else he just knew people who knew people so He'd run a show with locals and on top, you might have Dino Bravo against uh, Davey Boy Smith, you know, stuff like that. Um, and he ended up coming down to Florida uh, in the mid nineties and was running very successful indies. And I'd always be pissed at him because I had a hard time getting on these shows. And I knew he paid well. And I knew he had uh, you know, back then, if you had one former WWF guy on the show, you had to be on that show. It just was unheard of down here. You didn't see a lot of that. Um, Hercules and Jimmy Anvil, Nightheart were a little uh good examples of that. And they were all I was based out of Tampa, Greg the Hammer, Ballantyne, uh guys like that. But Mike, Mike had approached me, um, it was around 98, and uh had asked me if I'd be interested in in booking for IPW. And I said, Yeah, shit, we were we were running uh or working all these shows for Frankie Reyes. Uh, over at Kahuna's in St. Pete, and just just tearing the house down. Insane, crazy, crazy, violent shows with guys like Chaos, Southern Posse, and you had real great technical wrestlers when they were very, very young, like Mike Sullivan, Freedom Rider Mike Sullivan, uh, Eddie Jackie, uh, Pepe Prado, who also happens to be the brother-in-law of New York Yankees, great Tino Martinez. Uh, Mike Marcello, who has since passed away. But we I always had this feeling that no matter what Frankie and some others did for me, that I was really spinning my wheels. And uh, if the crowd wasn't there, we got a shitty payday. The crowd was there, we got a shitty payday. And uh, angles would just be started and stopped out of nowhere. There didn't seem to be continuity. There seemed to be a uh, reluctance to stop pushing guys that were well past their prime, if they even ever had one. Uh, so I just said enough was enough, and Mike offered me the book. I ima- immediately changed it to IPW Hardcore Wrestling, and I took everybody with me. And uh, I really built a big, big part of everything around uh, chaos, Um, as far as the hardcore side, and then as far as the holy shit, the technical guys. It was Buck Quartermain and Mike Sullivan and Navy Seal, who unfortunately also just passed away last year. Um, I was lucky enough to have guys like Pat Tanaka, Tommy Rogers, Morty Giannetti, and a host of others that were were cool enough to not only come in for rates that were unheard of. I I shot straight with them. I said, what I can get you? And it was never good. It was was all I had. Uh, Not only would they do it, they'd come in and put my guys over. So you can look at years and years and years of, of results online of IPW Hardcore Wrestling and then later NWA Florida. And you'll see a laundry list of guys that have come in and put my guys over. Especially the Shane brothers, Mike Sullivan, and Jed Jaguar in the Cruiserweight division. I brought in everybody for those guys. Um, And and these guys would come in and put on these incredible matches, put my guys over. And back they went to their town. And we would return the favor if we went up north. Um, And we did. You know, we did stuff in Jersey All-Pro, Combat Zone. I had several wrestlers that were in the uh, ECWA Super 8 um uh, jeff peterson was a huge part of us getting guys up there and jeff peterson was probably one of the greatest stories of ipw unfortunately one of the most tragic too as he passed away so young due to you know complications from lymphoma but yeah we uh, we started out small but really really hot and i knew how to get the exposure with the local newspapers local radio uh, local tv They seem to be kind of, they seem to almost want something new, a change, some attitude. And we we gave them all of that. We were in trouble a lot. Well, I was in trouble a lot, a real lot, and had to dance around every code and law you can think of and really didn't care. They said we couldn't sell beer. That's cool. I'll just sell cups and I'll give you the beer away. You know what I mean? It it was that type of thing. Uh, I still have a video up at the Crystal River National Guard Armory that I don't know what anybody was thinking, but it's like two or three tables stacked on top of each other on fire. And clearly right behind it, you can see a giant propane tank that says no open flame. And we're lucky we didn't blow Crystal River off the map. But we were so hot for a while. And uh, we ran a show at the Pinellas Expo Center that legit was over a thousand paid fans, which at the time, if you drew a hundred, people knew who you were. It was a tough time for wrestling. But uh, we were some of the first to uh, really make a mark on high spots where our VHS tapes, think how crazy that is, but our VHS tapes were in the top 10 on a regular basis because of a very new uh, world wrestling network with Sal, uh, we were one of the first DVDs on the shelves at Best Buy uh, was Best of IPW, uh, Hardcore Wrestling, and with alliances we had with Bobby Rogers and so forth or with the Future of Wrestling, uh, we worked very closer closely with NWA Wildside, uh, Bill Barons, So that gave me access to the likes of AJ Styles, who was the IPW heavyweight champion for a while. Uh, Jimmy Rave, David Young, uh, Blackout, you name it. Sal Renaro came in. I mean, it was like just a who's who. These guys were all piled into a car, and they'd come down to uh, St. Pete, Tampa, Crystal River, wherever we were at. And I got to make dream matches before their dream matches with guys like Scoot Andrews against Chris Daniels. AJ Styles against Roderick Strong, who, by the way, I beat in Words with Friends today. He did have a two-game, uh, two-game winning streak. That's one thing I can beat him. I will not get into a chopping contest. I'm not going to challenge him to a sprint, but I will beat him publicly if I have to, in Words with Friends. You can take that to the bank, Roderick. <laughs> but I could ramble forever about IPW, man. It was uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I mean, uh, the party was as important as anything else. And that was part of the image, but it, it was, it was legit too. Uh, so, I mean, we always said the show was something that happened in between the pre and post party. And that was why a lot of the people like to come into town was the madness, uh, you know, that they'd hear about. I had to have guys like homicide and the hit squad and Trent acid and Johnny cashmere and all these guys coming up from North and they would just kill themselves in the ring for us. And man, you could just see the excitement for, for the party afterwards. And don't even get me started on guys like Teddy Hart. That's been, I mean, surprised I was ever able to get him to leave. At, you know, the, the time we had when he was here. But you know, that that got a lot of people's attention. I'm not so sure that we would have had the success today that we had then because uh, I was a heat seeker. And, and you know, for the people that got it, they loved me and they try to hook their court or their cart to what we were doing because it meant opportunities around the world. Uh, but the, there was plenty that didn't love me and my behavior was by no means the best. So with today's instant access to the internet and cameras and videos and this and that, I, I, you know, there's no telling what, what would have happened, but I, I find it hard to believe that what was acceptable and cool then is not anymore. Um, yeah, you know, it, worked,
0: it worked well, very well for the time. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and same with rock and roll and anything else. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, some of these changes are for the better. I used to make fun of guys that would come into the dressing room with like chicken breasts, uh, you know, sitting down and reading or doing whatever. I mean, it was, they were ribbed relentlessly. Some of them could take and they wouldn't come around, but you know what? These guys are healthier now. They're happier now. Uh, Some of the things I would like to see a little different, because I do think that wrestling is supposed to be the old West and there is supposed to be, uh, a certain amount of misfits and, and carnies and all this other stuff that comes with wrestling. But I do like the fact it's been cleaned up. I'm very happy that guys and girls are making indie, uh, making money now on the indies. That's it's unheard of. You used to have uh, a very, very small handful of guys and I could name them all. You would know them. They, they you know, they were the only ones making money. Now I, I get approached by some kid I don't even know who it is and as they're talking to me I'm looking up their info and checking them out and they go right from asking about an opportunity to discussing rates and I'm going I guess that's the way it's done now but it's so foreign to me that I think unfortunately for some of the younger talent it costs them opportunities with old dudes like me because it's just I ain't saying you don't deserve to get paid and and I think it's professional that uh you're, that you want to know your rate. And I think it's great if you can demand a rate, you just can't do it with everybody because the talent pool is so deep. And I don't have, I'm not, um, you know, I don't have any money marks backing me. Uh, I'm not going to lose my family's money. And it ain't like the nineties where I could just keep taking out credit cards and just keep burning them to pay for TV time, rent, um, and everything else that goes with running a wrestling promotion. Cause I think, I even, I think I'd even talk to you about it before Jordan where, before when you had like say a pw pwg show right Mm -hmm. i mean best wrestling man or shows in the in the world as far as the modern style for Mm -hmm. several years now well there was a time where there would be one show like that on a weekend that everybody would know for two months this show was coming up it didn't matter where it was in the country it was a big deal well, there's 25 of those every weekend now when we're back and running. You can see what Eric Cannon is doing in the Midwest. You can see what PWG, PWG is doing on the uh, West Coast.
0: Uh, Joe,
1: Joey, uh, Joey Machete's promotion out there uh, PCW. I mean, they're running yeah. shows that yeah, I don't get. I don't get, and I know Joey very well, but I joke with them, and I talk to you about it. I, I mean, is everybody robbing banks, and they just didn't smart? So <laughs> what's going on? Because truthfully, if I add a, a name or two, which usually we don't really need, but if I do it, that is a really big deal. And I'm, I'm going crazy trying to sell tickets, uh, sell sponsors, do whatever, because if I don't, we're not going to meet payroll. So all these guys run shows where I'm doing basic math and going, okay, even if he's got favors, the trends is more than what I would even be able willing to pay on payroll. So Trans Hotels and Pay, hey, from top to bottom, there's let's say ten shows every Friday and ten shows every Saturday that are legitimate all-star holy shit shows, and now you can't market it. DVDs don't sell. Yeah. Then everybody, yeah. Then everybody starts streaming. Okay. But why am I going to stream your show when I can watch a show just as good or better from another place for oh, where- so much. For cheap,
0: too, now, yeah. DVD back in the day, you'd spend 20 for one on DVD. Now you can spend nine ninety nine tops and get hours and hours. You're right. It's so much good stuff out there. Yeah, it's hard to compete.
1: Yeah, and I love this streaming. I just place it. It's like everything else. Everything becomes saturated. And, you know, as far as the talent, to be able to make a name for yourself right now if you have the talent and the look and the ability is so much easier but man is there competition out there i mean there is so much when i first moved i was gone for like six or seven years to georgia and i moved back here and at the time i remember seeing um or shortly after whatever seeing guys like um i guess i might be screwing up the timeline here either way when I first started seeing guys like Saeed Al-Sabah, who is just – there's so much talent in that kid's pinky. Uh, Snoop, I've already mentioned, Troy uh, and Hunter. Uh, and, and even guys that are gone now, Mitch Mitchell and Jeff Boom. They, they, were, they were so good. And I'm watching all these guys, and I'm going, okay, the landscape has completely changed. It, it, it doesn't even resemble anything that it used to be. But I hate saying it, like Mitch – there's such a glut of talent and promotions, and it's, unless you're a guy like me, maybe a fellow, maybe more of a fellow worker type mentality, nobody even knows you're gone. You know, what I mean, I've been doing this 28 years. I could vanish completely tomorrow, and and I think you would understand this too because uh, I always say this: if if guys like you and I didn't have the pencil, eh, that phone stops ringing really quick. Yeah, I mean, you. There's a lot of people that you meet there's some of them may become lifetime friends. Um, but trust me when all of a sudden you're not running or booking shows, you realize really, really quick when you're in that role, how unimportant you are because everybody forgets. And if you start booking again tomorrow, they all come back. It's, it's a very weird incestuous business that it's almost like being put through a meat grinder and spit out the other end. Are you just willing to be put back in? And I have been for 20 years and, uh, Lots of great stuff, lots of fun, but lots of horror stories and sadness as well along the way. Uh, you know, I'm always happy to share my, I don't like to say knowledge, but uh, knowledge. <laughs> I like to share it with people that want to listen. And uh, there's been a handful since I've been back. And I wish, uh, best example I can give is, is Saif. Uh, me and him seem to really kind of like hit on a really cool wavelength as far as just from two guys who have nothing in common at all uh come from totally different places different age different race different everything uh if i'd have met him 20 years before i would have dismissed him as being some artsy fartsy you know completely out there and outer space guy before i'd ever given him an opportunity to see what he could do in the ring and don't even get me started on treehouse because he made saeed look completely yeah. he's, yeah. he's the, he's the yeah. sane
0: one yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah you know so you know I've met these guys and I'm like you know I'm a little bit more open-minded to you know everybody doesn't have to be a complete primitive animal and savage walking like the cave every morning and that's what I've always kind of insisted on and uh, you know opening opening up my mind and 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 uh, a lot of times heart you know to be able to get to know some of these kids and, and realize how talented they were but that still doesn't mean that they're always going to take my advice and it also don't mean that a lot of times I haven't tuned them out when I feel they're you know going in the wrong direction and there's nothing I'm going to do to change it Uh, you know I mean it's tough because Saeed had an opportunity to evolve and and I thought was killing it but just was not at all getting along with Gabe which don't surprise me as I've never gotten along with Gabe either for 20 something (laughs) years now never will Uh, and like me voice his opinion rather strongly and he was gone two minutes later if I had been able to play uh damage control with that that wouldn't have happened and maybe I'd have been able to say something that would have changed it but I'm not a hypocrite it was less than a year later that I was far more aggressive on my way out the door and I don't regret it at all I miss the guys there I miss uh I miss La boom a lot I love that venue and I love going up to uh uh, I say Detroit, but the show's actually in Lavonia in river in Michigan. Kinda like I miss the restaurants and food and the people and this and that. But I hated that hostile uh, worst work environment. It was the worst ever and I wouldn't wish what? it upon my
0: can can you speak on it? What happened here? I was really enjoying you and Lenny on commentary here and you know, I, I thought it was you were great feeding off him and well what happened there? You know, it was going for what, about a year or so
1: or maybe not longer? Yeah, it was about this this time last year, a couple of months after WrestleMania last year, uh Just I was never ever I'm I'm good at taking direction and I was in the military eight years and I was an enlisted guy so I'm used to taking orders, Uh, but I'm also used to when, when you're chopped down to nothing like you are in basic training the entire reason for that is for them to then build you up in the model of what they want, and that you know they're giving no matter how rough they are they're giving you constructive criticism and that was never the case there it was a, a somebody that would never whether in wrestling or work or on the street that would never talk to me like that, to my face, would would just be vicious, you know, really, really heavy duty disrespect and contempt and, uh, you know, just unexplainable rage. But, you know, if I was a complete nerd that, you know, didn't have anything much really going on um, other than wrestling, yeah, I'd probably be pissed off at the world too, you know, and it's one of those things you, you find in wrestling a lot of times that, the guys that aren't, aren't the, aren't the cool kids, like the wrestlers on the show and they somehow find themselves in a, a position of power over the cool kids. They like to make up for years and years and years of abuse and being picked on. And I'm sure they would use the term bully. And then they turn around and bully themselves. And I'm just not that guy to eat that kind of shit. I'm not. And you know, truthfully, I'm 50 years old now on top of it. And there wasn't enough money. Uh, and the carrot that's dangled in front of everybody's face. Hey, man, if you behave here and you can get over, you're going to go to NXT. Pretty hard to argue with that, unless you're a five foot six, uh, 50 year old wrestling manager that sounds like he eats gravel every day before he commentates. I'm not going to WWE. They don't want me. If they did, they would have had me years and years ago. Um, I mean, I even had a stint in Deep South for for almost a year where I was calling matches with. Um, Matt Stryker and Nigel Sherrod and, and some of these other guys where they were hearing my stuff every week and it didn't stink enough to tell me to beat it. Same as Evolve, Shine, FIP, ACW. Um, they never told me to hit the road. Uh, and if they didn't like my stuff, I guarantee they would have. Um, but again, it is, you know, I, I'm, I'm not an underwear model. At least I'm not anymore. What? No, not anymore. I, it's, I quit my age caught up with me uh but you know that's what they're looking for they're looking for models with uh per- perfect teeth and perfect condition with the perfect voice and uh that's not me and there's commentators it, let's put it this way if lenny isn't with the wwe mm. i'm not going it ain't happening. <laughs> He's, he is the best play-by-play guy in the business and they know him they that's love him true. Everybody knows that. He's them. been there since they want him Evolve. Yeah, that's true. If they wanted him, they'd have him, yeah. And shit, go back to Ring of Honor. Some of the yeah. greatest Ring of Honor matches in history are called by Lenny, you know? And he was carrying some guys that had no business sitting the next to him. And it was that way with uh, Evolve as well until I came in. Me and Lenny hit on all cylinders. He's so ridiculously prepared. And uh, if I'm allowed to do my thing, which, again, I wasn't, you know, as far as freedom, listen to me on FIP or ACW, and then listen to me on Evolve, two totally different guys, uh, because we're supposed to think that Evolve fans are so advanced and so serious, and they get wrestling at a different level that for some reason, they're not going to hear comedy at all, they're not going to want to hear uh, any history, uh, they're not going to want to hear anything, basically be a robot and sit there and, and, and do what is in my head, I won't, you know, there is no monitors, there is no fucking headsets. It's bush league, the goddamn thing, a big, uh, big top flea market Uh, with Dave uh, in in Tampa Bay Pro. I watched you guys, you were better equipped there, you know, (laughs) in a flea market than I am sitting in La Boom in Queens, New York, where the crowd would be going so goddamn crazy at times there in Philly and these other places. Me and Lenny are fucking risking life and limb to stand on top of tables so we can see over the crowd and then we're getting screamed at because we missed some spot. Get some monitors. Nobody will miss anything. You cheap son of a bitch. You know, you can't, you can't stick it all in your pocket and then blame the talent or blame anything else. Technological wise, me and you are more technically equipped right now than the commentators are given equipment there. I dare you to give them an earpiece. I remember the day that the referees were given earpieces. They were being handed out like they were chunks of, goddamn gold you know uh, they've been using those on the shittiest of shit shows so I mean it was you know the talent level when I was there I think was at an an all-time high and right as I'm leaving it was very clear that the top guys were not getting replaced by top guys the fly-ins were not getting replaced by fly-ins so the costs were being cut down to nothing and it really was being turned into a seminar promotion that happened to run wrestling shows. They don't care about you buying a ticket. They want you to buy a spot at the seminar. They don't care if you can wrestle, still pay for the seminar. That's what it's all about right now. And the WWE is in on it and they're all getting paid. So what do I know? You know, me and you are sitting here talking to each other on a Sunday. We're not running seminars that make you
0: $30,000. No, that is, that is true at the moment. It's very true here. Uh, <laughs> No, great stuff, man. Uh, I want to go back to IPW here. You guys are running, as you said. The fans are crazy. They loved it. I was aware. I was a fan. Uh, looking at the DVDs as well. Well, what happened? You guys were gone by the time
1: I came in about a decade ago. Uh, you guys were gone for a long time. Yeah, it was uh, really kind of what I alluded to, where there was not enough revenue uh, to go against the expenses. We had the, the WrestlePlex was not a small expense. Uh, the TV was very expensive, and we were paying for the time and hoping to at least break even on advertising. But I had a bunch of misfits working for me that uh, they wouldn't drive across town to pick up flyers, but they would travel 50 miles to pick up a bag of weed. You know I mean, that was that was the problem. Is is the ones that were closest to me that I could trust, I couldn't trust at all. And then I made a really big mistake. Also, going with what we were talking about earlier, um, there was a, a biker festival thing that was supposed to be happening in Ybor city. And, uh, I was talked into being part of it and running an IPW show. And I was led to believe there was gonna be tens of thousands of people, uh, pushing six figures, you know, up and down seventh Avenue in Ybor, almost like Guavowin, uh, uh, used to be back in the day. Um, so I, I bring the show in book, Abdullah, the butcher, Kevin Sullivan, Norman Smiley, and the list goes on and on. Um, Nobody shows up, and I mean nobody. If there was five people, and then being an idiot, I ran anyway. And uh, Sal was running over in St. Pete. We were bitter, bitter, horrible enemies. FIP and uh, IPW. That's going to be my my next question: Is the FIP IPW wars? Yeah, it was brutal, dude. And he ran that night over in St. Pete with Balls Mahoney and New Jack and a host of others. Free beer, free tickets, and my dumb ass running a show in Ebor. Uh, I get to to the venue, can't even figure out where the show is going to be, which again, is my fault. I should have had all that handled way ahead of time, but we're stuck in some warehouse kind of like behind everything. But even if we were right smack dab out out front, nobody came to this festival. It was like the worst promoted deal in history. Uh, So we took a bath. I really couldn't get out of it. I borrowed all kinds of money from all kinds of people on the spot. Paid everybody that I had to pulled the plug that night. That was it for IPW all in one swoop. That was it. I just gave up. Literally didn't even go get the rings from the WrestlePlex. Didn't get the belts from back from the guys. I just said, that's it. I quit. I can't take it. And I don't, I've never quit nothing in my life. And that was, uh, that was the end. Um, it really wasn't much longer that Joe Price then came along with NWA Florida, asked me to book it. And next thing you know, IPW Hardcore Wrestling is clearly NWA Florida. It was like I pressed a button and kicked out all the dummies and brought my crew in. And next thing you know, we're we're associated with the NWA. And the good thing is, is most people running that had an NWA membership didn't know what to do with it. Well, I went crazy with it. And uh, next thing you know, we got Jarrell Clark as the NWA world champ. The Shane brothers got the NWA world tag belts under Howard Brody, uh, the Heavenly Bodies, uh, the new Heavenly Bodies, Chris Nelson and uh, Vito DiNucci, managed by Jimmy Del Rey, they had the NWA World uh, Tag Belts. So we made a lot of noise. But the the hottest, one of the hottest things when IPW was like on fire was the the feud between FIP and IPW, and it was never a feud that ever happened in the ring. It was all behind the scenes. It was all very nasty. Uh, several fights, several invasions of each other's shows, cops, fire marshals. I'm surprised the National Guard never got involved. But uh, you know, Sal was a very passionate person, and I was, well, we both still are. And uh, I think he had a lot of imp- a lot of people influencing him the wrong way. It would, hey, you know, Ron said this, or this guy did that, or led to believe there was things going on that weren't. So he ended up with a place that was uh, called the Arena which was a really cool uh, warehouse-y type boxing gym that was literally across the highway from the – you could get from the WrestlePlex to there in two minutes. So then he starts running, and they had a beer license, so they're giving away free beer and bringing in far more names than I were. And then, of course, like any other wrestling deal, I found out really quick the loyalty. You know, guys would rather – well, hey, man, if I work here, what – early why can't i work there later well you're right why would anybody come and see you here if they could see you there i said i'm not doing the old you can't work there" routine which i did actually but that wasn't the meaning behind it it was if i'm a ticket buyer why in the fuck do i care about going to see you at this show if i could see you at that show for free with free beer and with names then when they're dead and buried six months from now you'll be motherfucking me wonder why you're not on my show you know so there was a lot of that uh but Lots of lots of violence involved. Again, today, none of the wrestlers, very few of the wrestlers that are around now would have made it through that. Uh, but, you know, me and Sal ended up very good friends. I still consider him a good friend. Uh, he's a former Marine, he's a family man. Uh, you know, he, he lost his wife when the kids were really young and uh, he raised them on their own and he's got all the respect in the world uh, from me. Uh, I do wish he would pop Gabe in the nose for me at least one time. Uh, that kind of pisses me off. But you know what? They make money together, so I can't. I can't fault them for that. I wasn't and check with Gabe recently. You should have told me. <laughs> oh my god! You know, and it's funny because Sal is one of those guys that um, a lot of the time during that stuff we had going on with each other, they a lot. Of, I think a lot of the boys had this misinterpretation that Sal was this this fucking pussy that came from this rich family and he literally the opposite, you know, his dad just grinded and grinded and worked his ass off as a a small business owner. And Sal was an enlisted Marine. And, uh, you know, just the total opposite. What anybody thought that guy, he's, he's tough. He's tough as nails. He's relentless. And he's, he's persistent. Uh, I do believe unless the bottom completely falls out on the WWE, which it's not going to, Uh, I do believe you'll be watching Evolve on uh, the WWE Network. Maybe Progress, I don't know. They kind of have – they don't seem to have the legs they did. But I think you'll see Evolve on there. So maybe we will see Lenny after all. And if the library shows up on there, I guess we'll even get to see me. That'd be nice. Hey, you on the WWE (laughs) Network. (laughs) You know what, man? It's it's, it's one of those things that, you know, don't think for one minute that I wouldn't be thrilled to be able to have – my kids see me on there. even just once. Sure. You know, they've, they, all my kids have grown up around this business. And Hunter is, uh, he's uh, 14 now. But, you know, he was ringing the bell um, at the ball shows at the, at, um, God, I can't think of Jerry's Club, oh, the Orpheum in Ebor City. You know, he's ringing the bell for matches with Ricochet and Johnny Gargano and you name it, dude, Matt Riddle, uh, Drew Galloway, uh, you know, all of them so he's sitting there you know and, and I have never to this day I've never smartened up any of my kids about wrestling I never smartened them up about Santa Easter Bunny they, they just kind of find out when it's ready They who knows maybe they're clinically insane and they still believe all this stuff but uh you know Hunter would sit there and he never knew when the finish was and he wasn't allowed to hit the bell until I would I'd hit him on the knee it'd be me Lenny and and, and Hunter and uh you, he would be just hanging on the edge of a seat because you know, the false finishes when it comes out to that type of style. So, you know, this kid has memories of not only seeing these guys come up in the business, he was part of it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, there's nothing better. So if, if he was able to watch me on there, I, I don't know what it would mean to him, but it a lot to watch me, you know, and I've, and I've fought and I've done everything I can to earn it. Um, I got to appear on uh, TNA and, Got to appear on WCW. I never did nothing with ECW, which still to this day blows my mind. I was a perfect fit for that in every sense of the word. I'd also be dead. So that's probably a good thing that I wasn't yeah, there. The silver no, line. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it through. I would have been thrilled, but I would never have survived. Uh, but I always thought that's why I'd end up when you know, the whole, the entire reason for IPW, I've never considered myself a promoter and I still don't. I do consider myself a good booker and uh, handling talent. Uh, but the only reason I ran shows is because I got sick of being on such bad shows. So the idea was I'm going to run, I'm going to use the platforms that I know like pro wrestling illustrated, the observer, the torch very early on AOL instant, uh, like not instant AOL messenger boards, shit like that. People were talking about IPW along the same lines as the majors. Cause I knew how to use that stuff to my advantage. As a matter of fact, that's where I met Chris hero and Jeff Peterson. They were just high school kids. And, uh, me and Chris hero talk about it to this day. When I see him, he was this young kid asking me what school he should go to. And I threw out a couple of recommendations and he ended up at a Dory funks, which wasn't my, one of my recommendations, but man, Chris hero, he's he, the fact that WWE got rid of him is so insane, but man, what a gift to the independent and the international scene, man.
0: Yeah. I'm no, we'll, we'll welcome him with full
1: arms, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to his next run. Well, he's so great. And he, you know, he was in the Peterson cup. Um, Later for us, along with – I don't know if you've ever had a chance to look at the lineup of the Peterson Cup every I have that DVD in this house somewhere. Oh, I know. (laughs) Just totally crazy. I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, that's how I got to know a lot of these guys that are stars now was they would always be happy to come down. And it wasn't – I don't think it was for respect for me or later for Sal who ran things. Uh, It was just Jeff. Everybody loved Jeff. If they didn't know him because they were too young, they knew somebody who knew him. His reputation. Who
0: goes to that. Let's talk about that for those that aren't uh, informed. And I'm even curious myself, because I know about the tournament. It is a very prestigious tournament that lasted several years there in Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. As you said, each year had just some of the top talent in the country, sometimes even the world. Um, tell us about Jeff Peterson. What is what is the story with Jeff? I, obviously, I, I never knew him. Uh, I knew him just from the cup, really. And so tell us about Jeff Peterson himself. He was
1: uh, – uh, the nephew of, of the, the owner of ECWA, Jim Kettner, who was the promotion that started the Super 8, which is you know considered still to this day, as far as kind of the grandfather of the, uh, of the like all the different versions of basically is what is the best of the Super Juniors from Japan, borrowed and brought over here, uh, King of the Indies with Roland Alexander and everybody out on, on the West Coast. But uh, Jeff had, had moved down here with his parents and he had told me when he was coming online and I would get pictures of this skinny little you know kid. And uh, at the time, I, I pushed uh, Naftali, which later became Milo Beasley that everybody knows here in Florida. And uh, he was very, very thin and not your, uh, not your uh, prototypical wrestler that people think of when they think of pro wrestlers. So he came down and he would start coming to the school. And I mean, to say this kid was gifted and light years ahead of everybody else was an understatement. He could just go and he was a natural baby face. But even if we had spot shows that kind of like weren't, it didn't matter what we did on a few of these spot shows that like our normal fans weren't there. Uh, They were kind of like paid shows. Um, We did some at these uh, different bars and pubs and whatever where, I would use Jeff as a heel on these shows and he would get molten white hot heat way more than anybody else and he just fit right into it but then as soon as the match was over he's back to being the nicest guy in the world and he was just tearing it up up and he would go back and forth he would go work his uncle's shows in Delaware for the ECWA once a month and then he was living here and working every one of my shows and uh working out at the school and he really helped up uh, put our cruiserweight uh, situation on the map when I did a forklift ladder match with him and Jet Jaguar and Mike Quackenbush at the Crystal River National Guard Armory. And uh, the only reason the forklift was it was put in there is because I would see this big military industrial size forklift that would be there every single time we'd go. And I finally approached the sergeant that was running the place, and I said, can we please use that in a match? And he was cool about it. So – you know, these guys got the forks were all the way, way up in the air. There's still some, I think there's stuff on, online about it. I know there's pictures. And uh, these guys are jumping off of there and using a ladder. And Quackenbush was like he was, even back then, was like he came from some wrestling planet that nobody knew about. Cause he was working this wacky, weird hybrid, like uh, it would be like a catches, catch can, uh, lucha, Japanese, just hybrid mix of, you know, like, what are you doing, Mike? I mean, I don't understand this, but Jeff Peterson and Jeff Jaguar, uh, I mean, it was just like, these guys, just everybody mixed and meshed together, and it was, we were off and running at that point, and Jeff was really starting to catch some fire, and uh, unfortunately came down with a, a form of lymphoma, and uh, Jeff was really, for his age, he was really eccentric and, and different, this and that, so I want to, I, I hate it, but I want to say that almost for a while you didn't know. I mean, it's, is this some elaborate work or, you know, what's he, what's happening here? He's only 20. He looks like a high school kid, twenty, twenty-one. 21. And uh, it wasn't long after that we ended up losing him. And, and it was a, I mean, it was legitimately a tragedy. It really was. There's the match right there. Yeah, go check it out on the IPW page, uh, IPW Hardcore Wrestling page on YouTube. Jed Jaguar is in a hell of a job with that, uh, with that whole, with that whole page. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of of IPW wrestling on there. Definitely, yeah, I'm subscribed, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. We used to pack them in in Crystal River too. We had some insane shows up there. We yeah, actually did pretty good at gate on those as well for for the time so unfortunately we lost jeff and then uh naftali who i mentioned in milo beasley he came up with the idea of the uh, of the jeff peterson memorial cup which was going to be a two two day 16 man tournament you know to uh, crown a champion and uh we started reaching out and it was just every everybody wanted to be part of it you know, from, from CM Punk to Cole Cabana to, I mean, you name it, dude. Everybody. Um, I didn't, the last four or five years, I didn't have much of a hand in it because I wasn't living here. And, and honestly, the stress of real world and how seriously I took that every time. And, I, and I'd be lying. You could find other interviews of me out there where I was so mad at Florida every single year because it was during the tough drawing days. And we just wouldn't get huge crowds for the Peterson Cup. And it wasn't just that the people didn't come and buy tickets. The goddamn workers that were not part of the show, they would not fucking come. They just wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I could have I begged them, which I wasn't going to do. Uh, it was like that lame indie mentality of, well, if I'm not part of it, I'm not going to support it, you know, and they wouldn't come um, I think it was the Peterson Cup too, I that had a that had, the finals of that I had a big big crowd and that was with uh, Chris Saban, I think it was Chris Sabin and Sanjay Dutt in the finals you know and it had guys like Alex, she- Alex Shelley Delirious I mean it was just sick and uh, again Sanjay and Sabin and Shelley and Delirious and those guys at the time you know the fans in Brandon Florida I mean they literally didn't know what the fuck was happening front of their eyes you know what i'm saying they had never seen nothing like this and neither did i but i looked like a goddamn genius putting it together yeah i mean guys like uh tj wilson came in jack evans teddy hart uh the list goes on and on i mean we even had milano collection at and he won it one year um you had a young john moxley sammy uh callahan uh just on and on it's again 16 guys every year for 10 years pretty hard to remember 160 guys I don't remember anybody coming in and just being a bust, though. You know, not every match was perfect. That's what about uh,
0: Kendo Kashin?
1: Oh, man. You know, he was the only guy that I remember that we had booked that I kicked off. It wasn't that – I think there were others that had injuries and stuff that couldn't make it, but um, he was booked, and, and I, I knew about him uh, just by reading about him and his, his, his history. Yeah, I think I was just more excited about the idea. They could have offered me any name from Japan that if he had any name value, I would take him. So uh, it was Simon and and I can't remember who it was through, but they had booked him for it. And I'm thinking like kind of how I mentioned earlier, everyone knew the deal. And next thing you know, there's these travel demands and hotel demands and this is what he needs to get paid and, I, I even want to say there was an issue as far as who would be going over or under. And I'm, I'm like, you know, to this day, why the, why would I give a shit about anything that Simon Inoki or anybody else has to say? I'm pretty sure Antonio Inoki could have been telling me through an interpreter. and I wouldn't care. So for his son-in-law to be telling me about a, a guy that truthfully had no value whatsoever, other than to me, because I like to present the idea that this was you know, wrestling's smoke and mirrors, man. I mean, if I could have had somebody every year that was a true lucha star from Mexico, one that was a true name from Japan and England, don't think for one minute that there wouldn't have been those slots up, you know, allocated every year. But as soon as they started putting in demands, I told them to go fuck themselves. And uh, needless to say, I never did business with uh, Simon again. And that was I'm not that.
0: surprised. I feel like he did the same thing to Ring of Honor, uh, um, as far as not wanting to go over
1: or wanting to go over and giving demands. Yeah, it's it's a it's a work, man. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I understand you, you know, protecting your image and your persona, but it isn't exactly like he's the ace of uh New Japan Pro Wrestling or Noah or All Japan or where the office is going on. It's not happening. Forget it. You know, it's it, we had a little bit like that with uh when we brought in Ultimo Dragon last year uh for for that show at the at the Hardy County Fair. Uh I've always been a fan of his work, and and always been a huge fan of his look, and his ability to. Uh, you, you, everybody always remembers the pictures with him with those eight yeah. or nine belts, you know. What I mean, just covering his body and everything, and you know the impact he had with Dragon Gate Toriyama, uh, uh, I think it's Torimon X. You know, this guy's running schools and promotions in Mexico and Japan, and is a worldwide star in WCW as well. I'm going, you know, wow, I can get him. And what a giant pain in the ass this guy was. And uh, I'd never use him again. And he don't care. He doesn't, he don't need my money. He can get Mm -hmm. it anywhere. Everyone loves him. But it was a, it was a match that should never have been booked. Uh, Certain people wanted to be in the match that should have known they didn't belong in that match because the styles are just styles clashing. And I allowed it. And it was a train wreck. They didn't get along. And uh, I left before everything was cleaned up and handled which I never do and that was pretty much with one saying they're gonna punch him in the face and the other one saying he's gonna shoot him and I'm like okay time to go fuck you guys and that was it for that yeah there we go what a train wreck and here I am at ringside wishing I was anywhere other than there yeah (laughs) Jesus Sam Sam was great Uh, um he got he it was it was just like it was everything was off we really mis misjudged everything we were, we got the the Hardy County fair when i tell you 100% of the fans in the building are hispanic i i'm not exaggerating everybody it's all migrant farmers and i knew that back from old shows i used to do at, in wachula way back in the day so i knew that Okay, we're gonna be catering to a lucha libre fan, uh, fan base. So we bring we bring him in, we bring in uh, uh, Ray Fury, uh, Jay Rios and, and his partner dude. it was it Serpentico and uh I forget I forget Jay's gimmick. Uh
0: well yeah, he's changed a couple of times. Rios Badu, yeah. uh, he's changed or
1: Oraculo. Yeah, Oraculo. We brought okay. in Serpentico and Oraculo and love those guys. We yeah. for how much I like them, it's it's kinda of criminal the we've probably only been on like 20 something shows together uh, and, and I brought them in and, and, you know, nobody cared about any of the luchadors and then out comes James Carver from Kentucky uh, in this ridiculous indie uh, like flag mask, calling himself Mr. USA and waving a flag. And the place comes unglued like Hulk Hogan walking in the Madison square garden. And I'm, I'm sitting back there, like if i was on a cartoon it, it would like a giant question mark above my head i could and and he had a match that was punch kick wasn't good wasn't bad wasn't anything you again you would have thought it was hulk beating the iron sheik in madison square garden the place is going bonkers ultimate dragon comes out later in the show and you could have heard a pin drop uh, across the fairgrounds nobody cared thank god they didn't care cuz he mailed it in shit the bed, didn't care dirty blondes and and uh slambinos and Sam are out there doing everything in their power to put on an entertaining match and it just wasn't happening but yeah that was my fault I I don't know I mean I it just kind of seemed like basic demographic type booking um George Rodriguez I don't know if you know big George he he was on the show and he's a local and he was the only uh I guess he and a luchador but you know what I'm saying that it was in the luchador type character role and uh you know, everyone loved them, but that was more of the hometown hero than it was, uh, like a national, you know, nationalistic type response. So it's live and learn, you know, the next show, uh, we ran, there was a year later, it was only a couple months ago and we didn't care about any of that and had a, still had a hell of a crowd. It was freezing goddamn cold out there, but you know, saving, let's say, uh, Ultimo dragon not being on the card is the difference of about $3,000 between payroll flights Uh, Hotels Treating him like a king While he's on here To then get shit on You know is one of those Type of things
0: No, absolutely Sometimes that Yeah The the price isn't equal To what you get Sometimes there
1: (laughs) And the fans Were going to be there Either way Again I mean I've been Yeah But they They wanted a A marquee name Name. And Mm -hmm. Yeah And and, You know I'm not that guy I'm not going to Collect that type of money And then uh, You know I don't want to shit on anybody here. I'm not, I don't want to get that kind of money and then you know put some you know whoever out there. I mean, some nobody that uh, to them are nobody's, Me and you might. Hey, there's a great talent. Yeah, yeah but not, but it's not a name. So you know, I did the right thing. Uh, this year they tried the same thing, and it was like I just bumped the price up to where I knew they would lose interest on it, and I presented a a, a really strong you know local and Georgia indie talent. And, uh, the people liked it even more. It was over if they weren't dying of, I want to say it was like 30 degrees that night. What was really cool that stood out to me on that show, I've never ever been a supporter of, of women wrestling. I really don't like it. Uh, and that bias has kind of influenced my booking, but I had Lexi Gomez on there against, uh, Kelsey from, uh, from the WWN school who was actually having her debut match, and they killed it. They had such a good match. Nice. They worked so hard. The crowd absolutely loved it. I mean, it was the highlight of the show, and I'm going, okay. I mean, it's, um, you know, I learned one year that booking it based on nothing but uh, ethnic demographic was a complete mistake, and then going against my better judgment and putting uh, a girls match with, you know, Lexi's pretty green, but she'd been around a while. Kelsey was less than green. Um, and it wasn't a match I booked, it actually changed three different times, so I was already hot that i have kind of like being told, hey, we got to do this, okay, well, I'll go with it, and it, it gets booked as one thing, it gets changed, and then the day before the show, I find out that that's changed, and I'm getting a girl who's never wrestled before, so I'm I'm on fire. I see the trepidation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, don't uh, don't make me do something I don't want to do, and then keep changing it to where it gets worse. But then the girls go out there. I, if I was running a show with you tomorrow, I'd say, hey, let's put those two on. It'll get over. And and no, absolutely,
0: Lexi's turned yeah. real pro champion. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm she, a fan. Is she yeah. good,
1: man? She's got. You know, she's one of those. Um, I think technically she's got it from like where she's at, time in the business wise. Absolutely. Um, appearance is fantastic but good good attitude uh, uh you know it's one of those things i always you know i always have this opinion and again it's because i'm from a different time uh, if, if some other male wrestler doesn't get in there and screw the whole thing up for her uh, and i hope that she's you know smart enough to not let that happen i think she's got a chance i really do uh, absolutely you know i think it'll take a long time she has such a baby face yeah you know, i mean, which is to her advantage uh but but it's one of those things again i i always try to look at something I, like wwe or, or aew whatever and i can't think of anybody who like who her, her look is there is nobody there with her look uh i could see that yeah. opportunity but i think it i think it's a ways from now hey but look at fabu uh fabu and and tony were uh yeah. Tony D'Nady and Fabu Andre were just on AEW uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I tell you that's Chris Silvio pulling the strings and making things happen. Uh, me and Chris have never really done much together, um, but if there's anybody that's trying to better and help the the independent scene and the independent wrestlers, it, it's him. I'm telling you, and I think that his influence. Yeah, Look like at How awesome is that, dude? When I saw that online, I had, like. Yeah, I had nobody had called me. Fabu is really good about uh, kind of keeping information close to his best, um, which it goes a long way. But normally I would have been kind of a little, hey, man, give me the heads up. I can help push this thing. But, man, that was a nice surprise. I was sitting at work, and I'm, I'm a Facebook junkie. And I'm going through, and all of a sudden this pops up. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, Fabu, you want to talk about somebody that pays his dues? Did you did you ever hear the story of when he went to Japan? Um him and his mom went over there and, and I had connected him with a friend of mine that I figured would at least show him around and maybe get his foot in the door to at least talk to some people. I never figured a show. I wanted to get him to be able to at least visit some uh, dojo uh, dojos and roll around and do whatever. Well, you know, to say this kid took the opportunity and made the most of it, him and his mom went there and I think his mom plays some type of game online with this lady from Japan and they had become friends. So when Fabu and and his mom went over there, they stayed, um, it's like the guest quarters at some convent, not a bunch of nuns. Like it's, I think it's a, I think it's a convent that services like a hospice or something like that, but they got a guest quarters there and Fabu and his mom were crashing there while he was, you know, doing his thing. And of course, mom was able to, um, do some tourist stuff and i'd hooked up uh fabu with my buddy ruji who uh then introduced him to uh minoru suzuki and you know he got to do uh did you ever see the pictures of that show he did where it, it there it's what's the name chris brooks is over there right now doing stuff with the same promotion i can't remember the name but it's it's this small tiny females uh promotion where it's one of those deals where they got the mat on the floor, but they don't have the ropes and that. Have you ever seen any of those before? I thought I saw some photos of it. Yeah, on his on his, yeah. his page. Yeah, it's but it, they they like do a singing and dancing number somewhere in the show, and then at another. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, and then they take a break, and they're all sitting down eating soup with the fans. Like it's so it is the most kooky, weird deal. But uh, later on, if you look, Fabu I think has got pictures and videos of it on there but then in the it, during the same trip he then left and went to italy uh, to do some stuff with that promotion i think it's called siw that um uh, uh, chris silvio is associated over in italy so then fabu got work over there and got to uh, be in their seminars and training and then back to japan he went and i'm going man this is the kind of guy that makes it dude you know what i mean that's like, when you're willing to make those type of sacrifices and you're willing to uh you know, if you've got connections that are put together, yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> that great. I forget what the name of the uh, promotion is. I, I I had posted it at one time, but uh, it it said "Gato Gato Move." You see the hashtag there? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's the name of it. And this lady runs it, and there's another picture or two from a different angle where you could see the window, I think, which is going into the kitchen where they're where they're making their soup. Yeah, you see how they got the oh the wow. Recipe? Yeah. yeah. they And everybody's sitting like right at the edge of that canvas and they just wrestle on that. But yeah, Chris Brooks, who's like an indie superstar with uh, DDT and all that now he works those shows too. But yeah, what a cool experience. Um, you know, but you're going to have balls to go and do something like that. Yeah. You know, no. Definitely. Yeah, you know, Hey man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity. Uh, you're going to wrestle in front of, you know, 32 people who are going to be, it's going to be like you're in a living room and there's going to be a canvas laid out and you're going to act like it's a ring and the people are literally going to be sitting on top of you. Uh, But first, I need you to sing and dance in this choreographed number and in between, we're going to have you enjoy soup with the fans. You know, I'd be like, (laughs) you know, I would imagine you're like supposed to take a hit of acid before all of this.
0: Uh, Just when I thought I knew enough about wrestling, it still somehow surprises me.
1: Read Uh, up on the motion, dude. It's, It's pretty interesting. Uh, I had spent a lot of time reading it, but my my memory these days is pretty fried, so I don't. And like yeah, it. no,
0: just big, yeah, big shout out to Fabu, man. I've known him when he was a fan, actually, in Venice. He came to a couple of shows and like was just picking my brain and I just really drive, you know. And I'm not surprised that when he went to Japan, he found an opportunity, and that's what he keeps doing. And good dude, yeah. he's working better. And he fought John Moxley two weeks ago. How crazy is that?
1: <laughs> I thought he looked good too, and I thought Tony um, the following week. Um, who was given a lot, a lot more than what I would have guessed in you know going into that match. He had a good competitive match, and again, in front of nobody with no you know you got no heat or anything to to, to you know basically feed off of. It's got to be nerve wracking. Yeah, a whole and, different thing to get used to, sure. And, and they both look like stars, you know. There's again, I'm 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 a big proponent of uh, you know I do understand that again the game has changed and. the old wrestling is for everyone uh crap that's out there uh you know you're in florida and the sun is out there every day even in the winter you know use the sun if you're not going to go to the gym and lift and go out and run or walk do whatever but you know be marketable and be in shape and do what you got to do to be noticed uh again the days of uh like some of the names i mentioned earlier uh you know the Abdullah the Butchers and Jerry Blackwells and this and that, they're not out there. Even the monsters, they're they are freaks. They look like they were created in a lab somewhere. And, uh, you know, the days of, of not being, you know, in condition and able to go, uh, even if it's not just cosmetically being able to go and not blowing up. You go to If you go to the uh, performance center, if they invite you there, all they're going to try to do is blow you up the entire time you're there. The WWN seminars, uh, that was a big part of it too, depending on on who was handling the training. Back in the day, um, at the power plant with WCW, it was almost torturous with Sarge and uh, those guys with Jody Hamilton and all that were putting guys through. It's just one of those things. And and you know what? It's no different than any other sport, you know, football or anything else. It's brutal. Uh, So if you're not going to be in that condition and you're waiting for the phone ring, what happens when it rings and you can't go – do what is, you know, what's expected of you, Uh, and I do believe, again, there's, I like a good mix, I've always loved, I've always loved the complete, you know, animals, and the the one-man gang types, and and all those guys, Uh, you know, I I loved, uh, actually got to work with them, Uh, when one of the times that me and the Shane brothers went to Puerto Rico for the World Wrestling Council, we got to work with the Regatones, which was the babyface version of the Headhunters, and they were managed by Joe Don Smith, and they both look like two little Abdullah the butchers, you know, yeah, twin yeah. brothers. you know, who they are, uh, and I was glad that we were, uh, we were the heels, they were the faces and they weren't doing the, the blood and gut stuff. Then they were singing and dancing and Joe Don Smith would be rapping and stuff. And, uh, it, it was fun, but these guys could, you know, for how crazy they looked and they'd go out there and stab each other to death. But at the same, uh, regard, they could do moonsaults off the top and freakish athletic stuff. They were my height and like 300 and something pounds or at least looked like they were. But they could do things other people couldn't do. Uh, but even then, unless you were watching international wrestling uh, or indies, you weren't going to see them get a break here. It just wasn't going to happen. They were in the Royal Rumble 96. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I don't remember that. What were they as? Was it the headhunters? The, I think it's literally their only appearance. The squad team, maybe? They come in and oh, they're perfect. out like, real quick. I'm um, going to look up. Later, I did. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. It, mm-hmm. When I first when I first started seeing when WWF um, got the slot from from Southwest Championship Wrestling on USA Network, they would do uh, they would show like specials from the Spectrum and Madison Square Garden, the Boston Garden. I can't remember. It would almost be like once a month. Maybe they were doing it for once a month before Southwest got booted and then they took over. But at the time, the WWF was a member. Mm-hmm. Of the NWA. And I don't know if you remember in the old days when you would have the magazines like pro wrestling illustrated, they would list the NWA as world champ. EWA as world champ. WWF as heavyweight champ. The reason they would do that is because they were NWA members. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't do anything with the title, but that was their world championship because they were a member of the NWA. So theirs was called the heavyweight, but you would get underneath on these shows, uh, Harley race while he was the world champ, like mid court underneath, you would see the invaders, uh, Carlos Colon. Uh, it would just like, where, where you before Vince slammed the door shut? A lot of people forgot, or they're not old enough to know and never researched that they really had a cool open door where they would bring in talent as special guests. Dusty would come in as well, you know, and he'd come in and bleed buckets and he was a special attraction and, Uh, make a shit ton of money sell out the house and gone and maybe bring them back the next year the AWA used to do that with Andre the Giant Uh, they used to do like this Battle royal series every winter Uh, I think it would probably be one loop you know of the house shows but they ran from fucking Green Bay to Minneapolis all the way out to Denver and everywhere in between and Andre would come in and win the Battle royal in every single city and off he would go and you wouldn't see him again for another year you know, and I think he was booked through Vince's office at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sorry, I go off on sidetracks, tracks, but I could
0: no, no, not it. at all. It's cool to know, man. You know, a little bit tidbits mm-hmm. that I know, but other stuff like that, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. too aware of. So that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I definitely want to pick your brain on here is, you know, you've had a long standing and. And, and Florida wrestling here. Who do you think are some of the Florida stars that were kind of passed on? You know, you named some names here that I, I was a huge fan of that, like, if nowadays would probably be in, in NXT. These things are so differently.
1: Who, who, who do you think never really got the right shake? Uh, without a doubt, Scoot Andrews, Mike Sullivan, and Buck Quarterman. I mean. Sure, man. I love Scoot Andrews, man. Black Nation yeah. boy, come on. Everybody does. I mean, this. I want to say it was only like two weeks ago. Eddie Kingston was posting on Twitter asking if people could send him uh, matches on Scoot Andrews. I'm not even sure why, but it was pretty cool to see. Because <laughs> uh, want Scoot you Andrews know, matches? <laughs> yeah. I leave I leave Billy Fives out of that because, truthfully, I don't think Billy ever really wanted to go. He's never uh, been this guy that hey, I love wrestling. Yeah, I mean, he's he's ultra talented, and sure. uh, I was lucky to have him and had him as a, a you know my champ for a while. And that uh, he was just never the love it at all cost guy. And he was not the kind of guy to put up with the kind of shit that you'd have to put up with to, to go to that level and stay there. I mean, Mike Sullivan, uh, I think I was just talking about on my Facebook page last week, you know, he wrestled Loki at Madison Square Garden for for the WWE. You know, yeah, that's it, he's gone, you know, we're fucking I'm ready to throw a, a ticker tape parade or, you know, going away party. Uh, that's that's clearly a match that you're looking at two of the top guys on the indies, seeing what they got at the the V arena. You know what I mean? The fucking Madison Square Garden, and and nothing came out of it. And uh, again, Mike now would be a very big guy on the indies as far as size, the way he everything. He's he's a he's a real guy, you know, real man, real athlete. Um, you know, it, they missed the boat on him. Scoot was a a different level altogether than everybody. And, you know, I brought Scoot back, I think, once once a year for the past few years. But last year, well, actually coming up on two years ago now, when I brought him back and put him with Austin Theory on the, the first of what has become quite a few reunion shows, Scoot Andrews and Austin Theory, when I say they tore the house down, it was ridiculous. It was like Scoot had never missed a beat. Uh, you know, he's 50 years old. I mean, no, no, no punches pulled. This guy showed up. Looking like he's thirty, working like he's twenty-five. Uh, with at at the time, I was telling everybody, you'll be watching this kid here. He'll be headlining, WBR, you know, WrestleMania here within the next ten years. I changed that now to maybe five years. But it wasn't like I, yeah, it wasn't like I was some genius looking into a crystal ball. All you had to do was look at Austin Theory and go, holy shit! You know, this guy's high school bodybuilding champion. What might be one of the best-looking guys you'll meet in wrestling and is ultra talented. The only thing that I ever had um, that I kind of thought was a knock against him, but it isn't. It was what I've always said. I've never personally have been into Randy Orton, ever. And the entire reason is I always thought Randy Orton, everything looked too easy. Everything. Everything was too fluid. Uh, He's so athletic that he makes the most difficult deal look like. Me getting up and walking across the kitchen right now looks clumsier than him doing some insane you know 10 second 10 second spot that's so fluid that it looks effortless and a lot of times I don't look I don't feel it looks like a struggle or a fight because he's so good Mm. I felt that way about Austin Theory uh but his selling is is at a different level which kind of got rid of that opinion for me and I guess if I'm saying that I don't think it could be taken as an insult that I'm saying somebody's too good
0: yeah. And that's what I, you know. That's
1: why I, I still feel that way. Rand. there's nothing about a Randy Orton match that does anything for me. And it's because he's too good. And it, that's silly. But you know what? I'd rather have somebody that maybe every single spot and every move and everything they do isn't perfect. Yeah, I mean, where it goes, I like the idea of. It hey, was that supposed to happen. Yeah, I mean a little, a little bit of that. Uh, I like when it looks a little rougher on the edges. I like when maybe somebody got pissed at a certain deal and maybe gave up one potato, you know, just to kind of – where you go, hmm, okay, yeah, I know what's going on there, you know. <laughs> oh, but, you know, Austin, to say they got a rocket strapped to his back, holy shit, man.
0: It was yeah, like – it well, was just yeah. obvious. It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when he was going to, you know, pop
1: up. And, yeah, now now he's on rugby Week, yeah. And he's going to kill it, you know. And you got everybody sitting back waiting for – ah. Oh, eh. They're gonna cut his legs out from underneath them. Yeah, of course they are. They do that with everybody. And then just, <laughs> just thank God Kane isn't there so they can't program program him in a feud with that. To, I've never seen a Kane match that I liked. And it would be funny for, you know, 10, 15 years. Every young guy, especially if they are smaller, once they catch fire, they somehow put him in a program with, with Kane. And it'd be just like, well, here goes their spark and fire for a while. And I think they do some of that stuff just to see how you react and how you crawl back from it. You know, man. Yeah, sometimes,
0: even if you you know do everything you can, sometimes it just it kills your momentum, and they mm-hmm. never get back. And it's not even their fault, man. Um, we mentioned some past stars. Who are you high on right now? You know, we've thrown out names like Snoop and Saeed and Fabu. Who else are you
1: a fan of going today? There's some guys out there that you know it it almost seems unfair because, like I said, I haven't I haven't done a ton with some of these guys, but. The Metro Brothers have really got my attention. Um, They're insane, buddy. Uh, I can't even think of Matt. I can't even think of his last name anymore. He's—I'd had him on a couple shows in FIP. Use them, Matt Del Rey. He's, yeah, He He's—he could okay. be was, a star. I was going to say Matt Del Rey. Yeah. yeah, he could be a star, but I'm pretty sure he's certifiable, like mental case. I mean, I have no doubt about it. Uh, I think that if he's given the opportunity. Look at that house, man! I mean, can you imagine? It's it's funny because I really believe if given these type of venues and these type of settings, I could do that every single time we run. There's the metros in Del Rey <laughs> on the outside. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really see big things in those guys. Uh, I think Snoop, but I mean, you know, everybody thinks that now. Uh, you know, he's he's already there in MLW. I think Zach, um, if he gets himself into the top shape that I believe he's trying to do, uh, Zach Cooper could end up being probably one of the biggest stars that come out of here in quite a while. You know, it's definitely a lot of for sure. Troy and Hunter, but they're no secret and truthfully, uh, they're definitely veteran status already now. So it's kind of a lot of guys that I, that I'll bring up or talk about and go, Oh, Hey man, this, this kid's really got something going. Some of them are kind of in the spot now where it's like it shit or get off the pot. You know, it's time to fucking do it. You know, it's, I, I've, I've kind of always had this opinion that um, guys that, that choose to throw all their stuff in the back of a car and just find a way. Yeah. You know, I mean, when, if they've already got the talent, but they, they eat when they can, uh, they sleep where they can, they do whatever it takes to make it. Those guys tend to make it compared to those of us who chose to work a shoot job. Like there's never been a time that I haven't had a, a full-time job in this business. Um, and I've always had a family, um, you know, and, and a lot of other stuff going on. And I acted and, and lived a hundred miles an hour. Like I was going to make it, but you know, what would have happened if I would have just said this is what I'm doing i mean and go wherever there's a really move to philly or new york or puerto rico or japan or wherever you know, don't just try to make it the best example i can give of that is darby allen i mean his whole story is it's true there is nothing that he tells about that story that's embellished or that he's elaborating uh to try to make it so he legit lived in his car like you know showered when he could use the the local gym to shower Christy had you know like a George Foremany little thing that he would make his food there too and uh you know scratching and clawing doing everything he could to make it and guys I remember from when I was just getting going that were like that was Rob Van Dam was like that um uh, I want to say Jerry Lynn was like that there was there was guys that you know they'd have a girl in every town you know what I mean and that's how they'd get by uh, or they'd have friends in in these other towns and get by and, I said, survive. It's the same as uh, musicians. If you're willing to take the risk, um, you have a better opportunity of of making it. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed either, though. It may end up, it may end terribly for you. (laughs) I mean, it might, but you can never be told that you didn't chase your dream and didn't try. So um, I I think Treehouse and Saib are good examples of that. I think that, I think those guys are living that life that this is what they do. I think Effie's taking a big step in that direction. Uh, I think it was a tragic time to make that decision when all business gets shut down a couple weeks later. But Effie's the type of guy that I'd said to him, I want to say it was right before mania. I'd seen his schedule and I said, Hey man, not that you need to hear it from me, but it's only a matter of time. And He said, you know, he said, what matter of time or what? So he, Just keep doing what you're doing. Somebody's going to sign you I don't even think he's interested based on the conversation. He wants to be a true independent, uh, call his own shots, uh, make his own money, wrestle when he wants to, appear when he wants to, do what he wants to. Uh, I don't ever get the feeling he'd be the type of guy that would make, like, uh, you know, demands that that are just, you know, like, hey, man, you're you're not being – here but I don't I think he might he truly marches to the beat of his own drummer and I think he could be one of the biggest breakout stars that whenever shit opens back up I think Effie could be a massive massive huge star and he's in big shape and a, and a big tough guy too I think people misinterpret when they see the character just online and all of a sudden they meet him and this isn't just some little guy that you you know he's not a pushover I think he could be a huge Um, I think Saevin Tree could be uh, I do think, though, that, you know, there's a lot of uh, the cool kids out there that have kind of named or deemed themselves as the overs that ain't really good. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that y'all sit around and jerk each other off all day and say how oh, fucking great you are, and, you should be getting booked and these guys shouldn't be getting booked, well, there's a reason for that. Yeah, I mean, you're not good and and, and it's cool if you want to do this as a hobby Uh, you know and there's a lot of groups like Fest and and others out there that like to cater a lot to some of these guys Uh, there's always going to be a place for you to work you know it's there's also I think a little bit of a I talked about at length with Zach Romero about this one time he and I get along extremely well and we come from two complete opposite ends of the world as far as Of philosophy and psychology. That's why I love wrestling. Brings all these different. Isn't it cool? Yeah, Yeah. it's cool, dude. I like that. And uh, we were talking about something, and there's there's guys and girls that I think him and his friends Mm -hmm. and their people are into that I have an opinion that I think it's cool that you support them, but I also can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, you can't truly will somebody into being over. You you can't, you you can try, you know what I mean? But if they ain't good or they don't get it or they don't have what it takes and they're never booked against veterans because everybody's afraid to put some of these guys in there for fear of what might happen to them. How do you ever learn if you're not in there with anybody any better or somebody with experience, you got fucking blind leading the blind out there on a regular basis man. and they, they really are convinced that they're on their way. They're on their way nowhere. You know, if you want to be, you know, you guys got your deal down there. If somebody was very comfortable with you and you're very comfortable with them and the local fans like them, hey, man, they can be your star in that fucking town 10 more years if they want to. That's it. That's all you're doing. That's all you're going to go. Uh, Winter Haven had that for many years. Fort Pierce had that for many years. Uh, their local, you know, when I talk regional, to me, Florida's regional when you're so goddamn regional that you're like the main street of Winterhaven heavyweight champion, you're not in the same fucking wrestling world that I am. And you don't belong there. And I'll never act like you do. So, you know, if, if some of these guys are willing to get out there and uh, branch out, work with more experienced talent, work with better talent, learn, shut up. Uh, don't run your own shows when all of a sudden you're not getting what you want. So you can put yourself on top. The sky's the limit, but, um, there is a huge amount of, of guys and girls out there right now that don't belong. And like I said, you know, the wrestling's for everyone. Okay. That's that's cool. Y'all just, you know, do your own thing. And, you know, as a guy that runs shows, uh, you, as an example, should always want these guys getting better and more and more, maybe for just the your odds are that much better that there aren't going to be unnecessary injuries on your shows either from, you know, the blind leading the blind and tripping over each other all over the place and stuff. Uh, I always told green boys and rookies, and uh, to say they took a savage beating and 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 would learn the tough way, they would, but they would be in there with guys that had been around forever. Every every student I had, or I inherited from another place, hey, they're a student. They would start in the security role, you know, where you'd be. you could always tell the young wrestlers were the security where then finally they might get worked into an angle of some sort. And then they end up in a, an underneath program, but with a vet. And they would learn so much. And it just went on from there. Pretty soon when two young guys had enough knowledge that they could have a good match together, I would start going that route, but it took time to get to that point. You know what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, and I think it it is important here. And luckily a lot of people do know that too, that, They need to get in the ring with people that are better than them. That's how you learn, you know what I mean? Like, and that's how you'll get to that next level. Um, You're not going to learn anything from anyone that's just as experienced, if not less experienced than you, most likely. (laughs) Um, Where do we see – we're going to have to start wrapping this up here pretty soon here. It's been a great discussion. I know there's a lot more that we didn't even get to cover here. Um, What's up with Ron Neme now? Uh, What do you got cooking in the pot here? IPW still going? You know, obviously we're at a standstill right now. But when things are back in focus, where are we catch you, what do you got going on?
1: Well, I've I've talked to several of the key players to find out how how available they are, how much they got left in the tank, you know, because I use some older dudes, not not a lot, and I try to I try to um rotate them so I'm not killing them. I mean if I could get uh maybe two, three, four matches out the veterans per year and then build up the the newer generation underneath to be the new top guys. That's what I would like to do. But I've talked to all the key guys. Steve Madison is my partner. Uh, Sideshow is going to be taking a much more active role. Uh, I, I plan on running a busier schedule. Um, I plan on getting far more involved as, try, as far as trying to get guys back on the international scene. I used to do a lot of that back in the day with IPW. Uh, you know, The Shane brothers uh, lost and regained the IPW World Tag Belt to the Road Warriors in Japan way back in the day. Uh, naftali uh, i've already said is milo beasley he defended the ipw cruiserweight title against winger uh, for big japan pro wrestling at corican hall i've sent guys to china i've sent guys to uh, england for brian dixon's all-star wrestling which is actually still going to this day Uh, we used to send people to world wrestling council for carlos and we also used to send them to iwa puerto rico for victor kionis when uh luke williams was the booker so i i had a big hand internationally in getting Florida guys out there, I want to I want to explore those options again, Um, and I really want to start trying to feed more guys uh, to the majors here. I love uh, you know to have a better relationship with MLW. I think I would be a good fit there. Uh, They seem to you know change their commentators as much as I change my socks. Uh, You know, so I'd love to be there. I don't see myself back with WWN, which is a shame. Uh, They don't need me, and I don't need them. But I think we're both better when we're together uh, but that's just a relationship but I, I, I don't just burn bridges I usually like take you know and explode them and then back up over with my tank and then rebuild it and burn it again you know so I plan on running more I might take a, a, I might put myself out there a little bit more because really like last year other than my own stuff I did some I did a little for you and Pablo I think that was it you know, uh, most times when I'm approached, I, 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 I don't feel like ruin most of these promoters days because I really am not easy to deal with. And I recognize that. Uh, I usually just give them a price that I know they're going to say no. Yeah, wow. I mean. That's, you were, you that, were good
0: to me. You're good to me, brother.
1: Yeah, but you, <laughs> you get it. And you're trying. And truthfully, like uh, Zach is somebody that I look at, you know, your your partner. I look at Zach and I think uh, if he had a meeting, while he was coming up, he'd be—he would be a major player uh, on the on the uh, deathmatch scene. You know, he really would be. Uh, I kind of get the feeling when I watch what he does online uh, that he gravitates to people—not you, uh, but you guys are kind of presenting a different version of him than what I see on these other. As you can tell, I'm paying attention. Uh, kind of gravitate to to people or groups that really aren't going to do anything for him. It's fun and it's a nice. Rub being in there with some of these other guys. But, uh, you know, what I did with Chaos back in the day, uh, I looked at Zach as a far more modern, more marketable version, and death matches are now hot. They went from something that it seemed like yesterday to me, and I'm sure you'd remember, oh, those garbage shit show death match guys, they don't fucking belong. Now everybody is doing Every time I pull up a picture, somebody's got those things sticking out of their head. Yeah, yeah, i no. Mean, nah, pointing out people are doing without rings, you know, people are just having roles. Yeah, it's insane. And it's, you know, I'm all for it. I, I, I do wish that it could be toned on. I, I, I know their death matches. I, I really don't look forward to the day that somebody is killed in there and they're becoming so extreme that it seems like that would almost have to be the next step. But again, I look at him uh, and I'm just looking, at him going, Holy shit. When me and him killed, we would have just killed it back in the day. Um, You know, I want to have more of an influence uh, with people are willing to listen. Uh, I'm really not all that interested in doing a lot more indies. Uh, I do think that at one time I would have been a good fit as far as creating some uh, chaos and controversy with Fest uh, and with Leon Scott being up there helping with pulling the strings. He's always been somebody that he gets it. Me and him have always kind of collaborated well together. So who knows, maybe down the road. But again, I don't, I, I I always kinda envision like when I think of shows like that, I think of uh, uh three hundred people with with uh you know, mustaches that are curled up and you know Fucking scarfs and whatever, like the hipsters of hipsters. Yeah,
0: they come they, they got a certain crowd, and it's working. It seems like for them, it's oh, working yeah. for them.
1: Wow. I, if that showed up at my show, I'd look out the curtain and think that you had pulled a giant rib on me and talked all these people to come as a fuck. W- I'd take their money and be happy they were there, and I'd appreciate the shit out of uh, all the popsicle ribbons that they're all drinking for some reason, uh, <laughs> and their vape pens. You know, you know, it's like I don't, you know, I've always said like I've got a 19 year old daughter and I got a 14 year old boy and then I got older kids, but I've always have kind of prided myself on getting it uh, when it comes to entertainment, whether it's music, uh, TV movies, take it back. I don't go to plays and I'm not going to uh, poetry slams, you know, but I can honestly say I don't get it a good part of the time now. I really don't. And, and you'll notice from the times you've talked to me or anybody that follows me on Facebook or Twitter, I don't feel the need to come out and slam everything I don't get. If I don't like it, I don't watch it. If I don't like it, that's it. You know, it's as simple as that. If I don't like it, watch it, I don't support it. But that don't mean that other people don't like it. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's just not
0: for you. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. I've never gotten where I mean, YouTube is the worst example of just people going, this is horrible. No, It's bad to you. Click away. It's very
1: easy to click away. (laughs) Well, intergender matches, That's I've, to this day, most of the time, I just don't get it. Okay, that's it. That's the end of the story. I don't feel the need to, you know, I've been since I broke in. Since the day I broke in, I've always been outspoken. I knew when and where, or I didn't care, you know, whose toes I stepped on. It would be by design. But anybody would be like, well, that would never happen. Okay. I was saying back in 91 that I broke in that, there may be no move more ridiculous in wrestling than the fucking Irish whip. So I'm going to take your arm and push your back, and you're going to run all the way across the ring. You're (laughs) going to bounce off of those ropes and then turn around and run at me with no defense whatsoever and wait for me to hit you a wrestling move. Okay? If that isn't ridiculous, nothing is ridiculous. You know, so this whole uh, – that wouldn't happen in a shoot. None of this shit would Stop. If we were fighting, I would not put on nice
0: sparkly pants and i uh, put you yeah. in a headlock when I can just do yeah, a bunch of times. We're
1: going to get oiled up, <laughs> stripped on our underwear, and settle it like men. Wow. Uh, it's a show, man. It's the greatest show on earth, in my opinion. <laughs> me too. That's what I said. I said it earlier. Give me wrestling, KISS, and Star Wars. I don't need anything else. <laughs> That's it. Uh, I agree
0: two-thirds. I'm not, I don't know too much about KISS. Uh, I like him a little bit, but yeah, I'm they're two-thirds on- of the way they're with you.
1: Well, if you like Slipknot or anything like that, they're just modern what KISS was doing. It's a, a sideshow. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I, I know they were a, a show, too,
0: which is cool, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I, do, I am aware of the KISS Demon, though. Uh, he was a good wrestler.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I went to something, like, in the last few years, and he was there. You know, he had a pretty uh, decent career as a, in, in Major League Baseball. And yeah. say, uh, he was a trainer. I want to say he was with the Marlins for quite a while. Uh, yeah, i'm not Florida, sure who was with right? now yeah. yeah that was that was kind of i don't know if he was ever gonna make it anyway but he was doomed when when they got that they paid serious money for that. i want to say maybe like three quarters of a million or something like that they paid I, yeah, for the from what i've heard yeah
0: something one of those crazy wcw spendings that just it didn't equal what it got no you know, by no, far I mean,
1: and i was a giant kiss fan and i'm going this. this don't even have a chance, especially because it was put with this unknown guy that nobody cared about at all. You know, yeah. I think he kind of thought that was like his, like anyone else. I mean, who wouldn't? Shit, yeah, I'll do that. And next thing you know, he's just it went nowhere.
0: Man, nah, that was a toughie for that guy, man. Here, uh <laughs> and anything else you want to say before before we head off for this for the day? No, man, I appreciate you
1: uh taking Absolutely. the time to do this, and you know, I hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, uh, it's kind of a bummer because you would think with what's going on that this would kind of hold the country closer together and hold people closer together. But it seems like it's kind of having the opposite effect and somehow the virus has either become a Democrat or a Republican. And I, I don't quite get that. That's, that's kind of nuts. Um, yeah. if, if anyone's ever going to take any advice from me, you know, who cares about wrestling side? I mean, just, you know, don't fall for that. And, you know, keep your friends and your family and everybody close and you know a positive attitude. And, Maybe going out of your way when instead of sitting around and being pissed off, maybe, you know, try doing something for somebody else and you'd be surprised at how it would make you feel. I've been lucky to be able to keep working. My wife has been lucky to keep working. Uh, but I've also been lucky to been able to spend more time with them than I ever really would if we weren't in this situation. So, I don't know, just use it, you know, pick up a book and read. You ain't read in a long time, you know. Find a new hobby, something that you haven't done. Use the, use the time creatively. Or just sit back and drink and watch movies. Relax. Take it easy.
0: Yeah, I'm guaranteed there's something on Netflix or Amazon Prime sure. you haven't seen yet. If you like wrestling, like we said, there's a bunch of nine ninety nine stations you can You're watch. Right, IPW's on YouTube, we're on YouTube. Check out all this Ron Nemes on both. Check him out. Uh <laughs> Ron, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, definitely have to pick your brain again in another time here, man.
1: I've always enjoyed talking to you. I knew you'd be great all on right. this. I appreciate it. Right, man. Thank you. I'll see you again soon, as soon as we can get out of this stuff.
0: Once the apocalypse is over, we'll reunite, <laughs> man. Uh, coming to that next next IPW show. I think that, that'll that be a treat for me, man. Uh, guys, thanks for checking out uh, K-Fab Corner, and as always, keep it k